feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call this college rule! Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris with my friend Dom, a couple of comics talking sports, and uh, who are we talking about today? When you go through the annals of NFL history and you talk about some of the all-time bonehead plays, you might read about a former Miami Dolphins kicker named Ray Finkel. That's right, and that's who we're bringing up today. Ray Finkel, born June 27, 1958 in Naples, Florida, uh, was an only child to uh, Bill, a mechanic, and Clara, a housewife, Finkel, and... uh, Grew up in a very popular soccer area. He was well, a very good soccer player. I was going to say, this is where he becomes one of these kickers because he wasn't like a usual football player like we think. You yeah. know, he's a usual kicker like we think. Yeah, he played for the um, youth team, the Collier Chargers. Um, did quite well for them and uh, was played from about the time he was five up until uh, he entered high school at 14. And uh, it was at soccer practice one day that his high school coach found him and was like, those balls are going pretty far. At Collier High. At Collier High, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, put him on the football team and uh, four-year starter at kicker. His leg was so strong, they nicknamed him the mule. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Great kicker. And, well, this is what I find so interesting was he pretty much put soccer on the back burner once he, be- once he became, uh, you know, a kicker. Yeah. Um, all State his last two years there. Played from 72 to 75. His team won the state championship in 1975. That's right. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah. And uh, he did want to stay close to home for college. Uh, don't, don't have a lot of scholarships for kickers to begin with. So uh, he attended Stetson University there in florida Florida, yeah yeah the stetson hatters actually nice comes right and he also plays soccer there too Mm -hmm. but definitely it's not um the forefront he's definitely the his main focus is kicking and football and and soccer isn't as popular in this time i mean this is 1977 70 you know yeah no one's really opening wide for some soccer exactly exactly so they're definitely he's being encouraged to get into you know, football. Get into football. And while uh, Stetson is at the 1AA level, um, he uh, sets two NCAA records his senior season. Yeah, most for points in a season and one for distance. He kicked a 66-yard field goal. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this, and I uh, wonder if it contributed, but this is when he started to grow his famous mustache. Oh, that mustache is killer, man. And this is the senior year that people said, hey, that mustache took them to the point record that mustache says diners drive-ins and muff dives that's right it did that's right but uh because he's a kicker and because he goes to a small school uh he goes undrafted um in the 1980 uh nfl draft um luckily for him uh he wants to continue his um uh kicking career although he did graduate with honors uh degree in criminal justice oh actually yeah interesting so um uh, people were saying that uh, one of his dreams if he couldn't uh, play soccer or football was he would become a police officer and rise through the ranks of the uh, police force um but he gets a contract offer from the edmonton eskimos of the canadian football league 
Um, he goes up there actually at a really good time to where uh, they have a very famous quarterback on their team. And who is that? Warren Moon. Warren Moon. And what they're doing is winning Grey Cups. And I'll be honest, he was putting up points so much that, uh, like with Moon, where he got the attention of the NFL, so did Ray Finkel. And they were like, man, this is a solid kicker. We came here for Moon, but we're staying for the mustache. That's right. That's right. And uh, wins uh, three Grey Cups. Um, pays first three years there um unfortunately moon leaves after the third year and uh finkel didn't really appreciate it that much only because moon was his holder and uh one of the things that he liked to do was uh hold the laces out when he was kicking because for those of you who don't know you hold the laces in you're not really gonna make a good kick no no it's uh it's a messed up hold if you will and and he really i mean there's a comfortability factor. Yes, yes. It's almost like a pitcher and a catcher where he's just like, well, I, I, he knows all my pitches. Well, he literally knows, like, I need the laces to be out. Yeah, you need the laces out. I mean, him and Moon fit together like a glove. Mm-hmm. But uh, so in 1984, um, he's prepared to go start the season with the Eskimos. But he gets a call from the Miami Dolphins. He gets a call from the Miami Dolphins to try out a kicker because their previous starter, Uwe Von Shaman, got injured. So it's midseason. It is midseason. Week six. I was going to say, I believe it was week six, and they call him in to be their replacement kicker for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. And he goes to the tryout and absolutely dominates. And this is like a feel-good story. Okay, a guy from Florida comes home, gets a shot with the Dolphins, and the Dolphins in 84 were awesome. They had uh, the Marks brothers, the wide receivers, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper on offense. They still had the last kind of gasp of that killer bees defense. And a second-year quarterback who had assumed the starting job the previous season by the name of Dan Marino. Big Dan Marino. So everything's looking up for this uh, Dolphins team. Well, and they came out guns blazing that year. Marino, this was the year that he threw for over 5,000 yards. This was the year that he had 48 touchdown passes. And nobody knows how to stop this offense. And Finkel is their special team's ace. Well, he is reliable. That's the thing that we've, I feel like we've brought up before is you never think about kickers until they start missing. Mm-hmm. And for out this whole season, I believe he misses one kick. And we're looking at it for the whole regular season yeah. coming in. It's such a Perfect great... Perfect on extra points. Yep, it's mm-hmm. such a great pickup for them because literally they're like, oh man, there goes our number one kicker. And they literally fill somebody in who's better. Yeah, so. you, you, your Pro Bowl kicker is replaced by another Pro Bowl kicker. Exactly. And uh, they go 14-2 and two that year, the Dolphins, which is, I mean, number one seed in the AFC. Everyone is expecting them to roll through the playoffs. Things are lining right up. This guy is living the greatest dream ever. Well, we talk about this where there's points in these guys' careers where they're just like, well, I'm just going to be a CFL kicker. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's yeah. probably had those thoughts. And then literally midseason through this where they're just dominating and he's just like oh i'm an awesome nfl kicker right and that's that's the change that i love and as we talked about on our theisman episode do you want to be freezing in canada or do you want to go to miami 
I feel like that was a good uh, good uh, life decision yeah, for him. It's a, it's a great uh, additive for him. He's just like, well, of course I want to be in Miami. What are we doing here? Yeah, so um, playoffs begin. Uh, first round, they play the Seahawks and uh, absolutely trounce them in the uh, divisional round. And then they go to the AFC Championship game where they play the underdog Pittsburgh Steelers, which is an important game for Marino because in the 83 draft, they had passed on him. Yes. And... In this game, they decided to make the poor choice of blitzing Marino, and he lit them up. He just lit them up with the Marx Brothers and Nat Moore. It was a 48-24 to ass-kicking, and the Miami Dolphins were headed to Super Bowl nineteen. Ray Finkel, midseason, does awesome. Team does awesome. Going to the Super Bowl. Yes. I mean, it really is a... a- story that you don't really hear much about this uh guy who was almost passed like you know kind of like marino was by the steelers and then uh did you know he was the only professional athlete to come out of collier county that's right yep he is one hell of a model american uh but anyway they go to the super bowl and play the san francisco 49ers uh led by joe montana that year the 49ers were actually 15 and 1 and they had a great offense led by Montana, Roger Craig, uh, Freddie Solomon, those guys, and a very stout defense with Fred Dean and the likes of Eric Wright, Eric Wright and Keena Turner. And uh, it's a very close Super Bowl. It's just one of those back-and-forth affairs, probably one of the best ones up to that point. I was going to say, it is a very much a back-and-forth, uh, uh, you say Marino, Montana, you know, back-and-forth, but the defenses were both sticking in, too. And, I mean... Yeah, great so, Super Bowl. Yeah, a fantastic Super Bowl. So with uh, Marino gets the ball, they're down 24 to 23. They're at their own 15-yard line with about a minute 50 to go. Marino on a couple of passes to Clayton and Duper takes them all the way down inside the red zone with five seconds to play. And someone's coming in to be the hero, right? Well, you look at this as one of the greatest Super Bowl drives ever. Yeah. And uh, for, they get Finkel in literally for a, almost like a chip. Yeah, they get down to the San Francisco eight-yard line. It's a 26-yard field goal. And, uh, well, things don't actually work out so well. Well, this, this is why you probably don't know Ray as well as you probably should, because this is where his story takes a different turn. Uh, Dan Marino holding the kick, which is very normal. It was a great snap. Great snap. It there appeared, was no problem. It appeared to be a good hold from Marino. Hey, man, this is the controversy that will go forever on, is were the laces in? Yeah. And Finkel, who claimed the laces were in, completely shanks the kick. And it looked horrible. Just, I mean, so bad that it, I mean... It almost hit the popcorn guy in the third row. That's what I mean. It, it was horrible shank to, to where you might think the laces were in. It's yeah. hard to say. It's hard to say. They didn't have those XFL camera angles that we know and love today. Uh, Marino came out after the game and said that it was a good hold. Yeah. That was his statement on it, kind of throwing Finkel further under the bus. Oh, if he you threw will. him way under the bus in the, those interviews. Um, and it was only Dan Marino's actually uh, first Super Bowl appearance yeah. as well. Well, this is why you don't know that. Super Bowl drive because it turned out to be nothing. That's the thing that's so crazy about it was like we'd be talking about this as Ray Finkel as like the greatest story midseason kicker coming in and now he would have been Adam Vinatieri before Adam Vinatieri. Now we're literally talking about him in his last NFL game. It was his last NFL game because what ended up happening is 
His teammates shunned him. The media was all over him. And even his hometown fans were like graffitiing his house, breaking in, doing terrible things. And the depression got to him. I was going to say it became a mental thing where I don't even think he could have gone, gotten back it into the NFL mindset. Definitely a guy who buckled under the pressure. That's right. Yeah. So uh, throughout the offseason, everyone's assuming he's going to come back, but he basically has a nervous breakdown. Like, essentially just mental health goes completely out the window and doesn't show up for training camp. Nobody can get a hold of him. And they end up finding him in an Arby's restroom sobbing and then decide to take some action. Well, and then they uh, administer or they put him into a mental health facility. Shady Acres in Tampa. That's Shady right. Acres. Yeah, they go to uh, send him there. And uh, he's really never heard from again. Like after that, after that whole Arby's incident, he's he's whisked away to Shady Acres and pretty much lost to history. Well, this this is what is I found so interesting because we kind of lose these guys when they drift out of the limelight. Is he went and kind of got his mental health wherever it needed to be, and then left Shady Acres, and then you don't really hear about him anymore. He kind of disappeared, and the worst was all the media, everyone's looking for him, you know, like his dad would talk about anybody who came to the door if they're one of them hard copy guys, because hard copy was very popular at the time. And uh, about 10 years pass, and I bring this up because the Dolphins are going back to the Super Bowl. Not only are they going back to the Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl is being held in Miami. First team to do it. It mm-hmm. is one of the coolest things, I'm just saying. That's right, yeah. And leading up into the Super Bowl week, and we're talking about the Dolphins, by the way. Um, they're playing the Eagles. They um, they have some odd things begin to happen. Well, they have a, a live dolphin as their mascot. Named Snowflake. Snowflake. Mm -hmm. And Snowflake gets kidnapped. Snowflake, yeah. For whatever reason, Snowflake gets ends up getting kidnapped. And And he was the most beloved mascot on the NFL. He kicked field goals. I just wanted to I just wanted to point this out because some people were talking about it almost being like cheeky shenanigans. Like it's almost like college rival teams stealing each other's mascots. But the Dolphins were very concerned because they were like, Well, the Eagles didn't steal our mascot. We're not crazy here. This is this could be like legitimately vindictive and he was also our backup kickers yeah right he was the backup kicker he also wore finkel's number five oddly enough well they tried to retire it for various reasons but that's all right yeah i mean give it to a dolphin that's that's the way it should be going but um snowflake is gone and the dolphins um decide to enlist the help of uh well, kind of a freelance member of the law enforcement. Well, this is what I mean was they brought it to the police officers and they were almost being like, ah, yeah, I mean, we'll find it, but it's like a dolphin. So they literally had to go and find what, and I read this in a newspaper. I don't even know if yeah. it's a real thing, but a pet detective. Yeah, a pet detective. So, But uh, this guy is arguably one of the best. Yeah, well, uh, in, I was going to say, Probably in the retrospect, yeah, yeah, like, you know, 2020 hindsight, we're like, God, that was a great hire, but... Do you know we found an albino pigeon once? Whoa. I know, right? It's I didn't even know those existed. Neither did I, but I'm still afraid of them. <laughs> but anyway, um, this uh, pet detective is someone we'll just say is down with LOC, um, for those of you kids from the 90s. Um, he starts doing some digging. 
um, as to where this uh, dolphin would have went. And he cleaned the tank, like, you know, he, you know, dusted for fingerprints, everything. And he found a rare triangular orange amber in there. And because of his detective work, he found that it's uh, rare enough to where he could pinpoint who maybe have had this on a ring. Well, it really only that shape, that cut, that stone really only came from one ring. And it was a 1984 Dolphins AFC championship ring. Yeah. So he goes out and he starts doing some interviews, starts doing more of that crack detective work. And, uh, he comes to realize that nobody in the team's photo from the beginning of the year. Well, he goes to their, their entire team. Literally, yeah. anybody that has any association with the Dolphins in that year, he literally goes to the entire photo. He was hiding in mailboxes, following guys into men's rooms. One of the greatest. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the time he ethered a guy, but one of the greatest detectives out there. And he went through every single possibility and he kind of came to the realization that the ring might not be... It it might not exist. It might be another kind of ring. Exactly. But um, while going through some of the Dolphins' old archives, he finds another photo of the 1984 Dolphins. And he immediately notices a beautiful mustache and said, who is that gentleman? Because I want to take him for dinner. And he realizes it's Ray Finkel, and he is the only person who he hasn't checked his ring. That's right. And on top of that, Ray Finkel, and he doesn't know this because he doesn't know anything about sports. No. Uh-huh. But Ray Finkel is the villain of this AFC, or I mean the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it, the plot thickens even further. So he goes on this almost wild goose chase to try and find him. You know, um, he even goes to his house. And he sees some very disturbing things in the house. Um, it was reported that he said it was cozy if you're Hannibal Lecter. A um, lot of, lot of anti Dan Marino memorabilia in there. Well, this is where we realize that Ray completely blames Dan Marino for the missed kick because he felt like the laces were in. Um, the report is, and this is un, you know, substantiated, I guess, but uh, it says that he had die, Dan, die written all over yep. his room. Absolutely. Uh, just very disturbing. Um, but what he finds out, because this is his room in his parents' house. That's right. Right? And his parents don't know where he is. They haven't seen him since he went to the mental hospital. And now he's on a very wild goose chase. <laughs> To where what ends up happening is... Well, this is what gets super scary is... Yeah. We see there's another kidnapping. Yeah. Well, before that kidnapping, what he figures out is he goes to Shady Acres to oh, see yeah. if he's he goes still there. Um, not there anymore because his dad had told him, but he's going through a storage closet and finds a box of Ray Finkel's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, ripped up isotoners... Um, die Dan die on little uh, tea koozies, which was very off. But he finds a he finds a newspaper in there, and the newspaper said officers were unable to locate the body of Lois Einhorn, a hiker missing since Friday. I bring this up because Lois Einhorn is Ace's or the man's boss. So I mean, she is definitely the. Uh lead detective in this she's the lead detective but what ends up happening um for this specific detective he has to figure out how both lois 
and Ray are linked. Yeah. So he does a lot of thinking. And what ends up happening, what he ends up finding out, they're the same person. Well, this is what is so interesting is Lois Einhorn, the actual person, um, did die in a, in a hiking accident. And Ray Finkel just assumed her identity and had all of the, this is what I found so ridiculous, was he had all this criminal knowledge because he, he actually went to college for that. So when he assumed this woman's identity, there really wasn't any, you know, obvious things that he wasn't a police officer. Yeah. And what ends up transpiring is because Snowflake is captured, there's someone else kidnapped, as you said before. And who was that, Chris? Well, this is where it gets serious, is Dan Marino now gets kidnapped. During an Isotoners commercial. That's Can you right. believe that? So he's whisked away, kidnapped. The dolphin is missing. Marino is missing. And really, the only one on the case, the only one that really has any kind of finger on the, on the beat of this is the pet detective. Is the pet detective, because someone's gun is digging into someone's hip. That's right. Yeah, but uh, he goes around, he's trying to find them, and eventually tracks them down to an abandoned warehouse by the ocean. What does he find? He finds the dolphin and a tied-up Dan Marino. He also finds Ray Finkel slash Lois Einhorn with a gun calling the cops to the warehouse and they're surrounded. Only Finkel slash Einhorn has the cops thinking Ace is the one that kidnapped. Or That's right. Mr. The pet detective. is the one that was the uh, culprit here. Mm -hmm. and Which is kind of silly because obviously Dan Marino would shoot that hole but i'm just saying yeah. it's uh <laughs> she's trying to get him to shoot the pet detective and what happens is he reveals that she's actually ray finkel yeah yeah mm -hmm. um that kind of surgery can be done over the weekend chris That's right uh he reveals it and they make the arrest they bring dan marino back to the Super Bowl for the second half and the mascot and mascot and the mascot and the Dolphins win the Super Bowl. Now that's a feel good story. I'll tell you what, I didn't think it was going to come all the way back around because Ray Finkel was so crazy, but that's just what we do here at the sports experience podcast. It's not always happy stories. It's not always the best stories. It's literally some of the wild ones. And Finkel is currently serving a life sentence for attempted murder and kidnapping of a person and a dolphin. So there you go.